For life with myself, Cliff Foster, aka the amazing Cliff, on the old Twitter, your guide through the world's greatest computer game console of all time, the Nintendo 64. And welcome to another show. And I think it's fair to say that spring has sprung. Yes, we're going full local bloody radio station with this. Do you know what I hate about this weather? I really hate about it. Is now I I usually wear black jeans, you know, or sometimes sort of denimy jeans, yeah. And I usually wear some form of t-shirt put over shirt or like a check uh, plaid um, j- jacket of some sort, yeah. And that's 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 my thing, yeah. As well as the big flick thick rims black glasses but that's that's not a weather deciding thing but anyway um i i think this is the awkward time of year where i want to wear shorts but i think if you wear shorts too early like if you are one of those people that go out on a march and decide to wear shorts i think you look like a bit of a prick i don't know why like my my wife was i remember the first early years of us moving back to uk uh, from South America, my wife used to giggle that as soon as someone would come out, somebody would put on sunglasses. Somebody would put on a pair of shorts and just a t-shirt. And I just took the dog for a walk and I was just thinking to myself, I don't know if it is that weather for shorts yet. Because as I said, do it too early. You look like a bit of a tie, don't you? You do, you do don't you? You do, you do, but you do though. But you do, you look like one of those idiots that just literally reacting to the summertime. But I tell you what, it does bring back some lovely um, N64 memories because I I wasn't like I moved from a very rural area to a council estate in uh, centre of Winchester uh, when I was 12 years old, and obviously that's when I got my N64. Still the original N64 I play on the old streams and. Um, I, I think that a lot of the time I used to go out and I, I met like when I went up to secondary school, I met a lot of friends and, you know, I, I, that lived around me and had the same sort of interests as me. But I was a bit geeky compared to a lot of the other kids on the council estate. So I, I used to spend a lot of my time just locked in a room with the window. Well, I'd say locked in a room. The window used to be bl- open, open, open. With the slight wind coming through and the sunshine and, you know, games like Space Station Silicon Valley. I've already said that, uh, like, Space Station Silicon Valley, if I play it, nine times out of ten, I will search YouTube and find some recording of Mark and Lard to listen to whilst I'm playing it. Because it just, it takes me back to that that time when, you know, you didn't really give a shit about anything, did you? I've sworn a lot already in this podcast, haven't I? See, I should just I should just put the E up and just accept it that kids aren't going to listen to it because they don't give a flying monkeys about the N64 and just swear. But I won't because... Because <laughs> of algorithms! <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to appear on just the specific list. 
Because people have to then sign up to the accounts. They're like, I don't want to prove my age. And then they don't listen to you. And I don't like that. So I'm going to continue blanking it out. And it's just fun just to hear Banjo or Kazooie. Because I, I thought it was always Kazooie. But suppose it's Banjo that makes that noise. Not Kazooie. But I was, I've always assumed it was Banjo. But anyway, so Kazooie. Anyway, I digress. Because as I said before, this console I play on the streams. And as I announced last time around, on Sundays, we are playing Ogre Battle 64. Now, we I say we are, we haven't actually played one yet. Because the last Saturdays, I haven't actually done a Saturday stream. We've done the normal Friday streams, the ruddy Friday streams. And we did a little sort of extra stream um, where we played, because everyone's been playing 2K uh, GM mode uh, for the 2K22 uh, WWE game. And I sort of mocked that and did our own GM mode on uh, WrestleMania 2000, which was really good laugh, actually. I really enjoyed doing that show. I think it's going to be a, it's going to have to appear occasionally as a special. Um, but we, we haven't had a Sunday to play it. Um, so if you if you want to, come and join us on a Sunday where from 8.30 till 11 o'clock, we shall be playing Ogre Battle 64, as well as on a Friday stream. It is the Ruddy Friday stream, where on the Sunday, we use a random number generator to figure out what game we're going to start off with. We're starting off with Mace this time around, the, uh, the, the beat-em-up Mace, um, and then going on to a random game that you guys can choose on that stream but one of the things you can do is you can chat along and have a laugh and be very inappropriate like we all are and earn yourself chat points and with those chat points you can claim yourself a shout out and these guys have claimed themselves a shout out this time around we have misha we have phil we have neil we have sean we have matty we have sarah you're right mate we have em i am i am you get the treatment today. I am wave at her. I am. I am. Now wave at her for me. I am. I am. We get Quagso. We've got Dave. Super sexy Dave Fisher. And we've got... For God's sake. Right. You guys need to stop doing this. We, we had sheep last time. And then we've now got the 80s band A Flock of Seagulls. Seagull's haircut. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> I'm not explaining the haircut. It's it's a bit unique. Anyway. <laughs> it's almost like the middle goes in and the sides come up. Anyway. Oh. It is a tune though. I hopefully hopefully I haven't used the actual version because I've found an 8-bit version. Or 16-bit version. That that that's always better. <laughs> I don't want to ever get flagged. I've seen it happen to a podcast. It was a wrestling podcast that used to end their streams uh, where the guest would choose a wrestling entrance music to go out on. And the WWE, obviously, it flagged to them eventually. And, yeah, the whole podcast got removed. Um, and have been really good. Even the streams. Like, we have diced some death with some uh, licensing bits in the streams. We have. We've we've taken it down very narrow routes. But I've always done quite well to get around it. I, 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 I'm very proud of myself how I've avoided it so far. 
I think I've been close. Anyway, let's go on to today's show because if you didn't know already, it is a battle for Jinjos. <laughs> And we will be seeing these two games go against each other. When about now it's time to rock with the bigger debug bumble. When about now it's time to rock with the bigger debug bumble. Bump to the bump to the bump to the base. Bump to the bump to the bumble. Bump to the bump to the bump to the base. Bump to the bump to the bumble. Buck bumble. Buck bumble. Buck bumble. I'm not doing the rap. Anyway, one of the best entrance, uh, sorry, intro bits of music. We'll go into it in a minute. You ever hear on the N64? It will be going up against a favourite of lots of you out there. Glover. Glover. Two very cutesy games from the outside, and this is why they've been put against each other. Two cutesy games from the outside, but actually when you go in, there's some real uniqueness to the gameplay and the actual storyline and actually the depth. And Oh, we're going on a journey today. We're going on a journey. However, to tease the end of this show, there are two big announcements. One of them is our next battle for Jinjos. That is a big one. I, I'm, I can't, I can't tell you the, the question we're going to be asking, and the answer is really important to this console. Like hugely, I, I, I can't. I, I've teased it on the Discord channel. It's huge. This one is huge. So please stick around to the very, very, very end. Obviously, don't skip to the end. Again, algorithm. Um, <laughs> but. And also, we will be announcing the next mini history. Because we're building up to the next mini history. It is just around the corner. It will be coming this time next month. And oh, by Jinjo, it is a big one. It's a big one. Oh, so much to be excited for. It's like last year when we had the mini history of... Um, Zelda, followed by Conker's Bad Fur Day versus Silicon Valley, and the the lovely intro music being uh, aired. It's, it's almost a year old, or oh, it might be a year old. It might be a year old. Um, it, yeah, this this all oh, it's 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 this time of year. It's spring, isn't it? Oh, I got to be excited. Ah, oh, shall we go into this? Okay, right, battle for Jinjos. Uh, what are we doing? Bum Bumble, <laughs> Bum Bumble versus Glover. Let's. Do this. Oh, it's a battle for gingers. Oh, it's a battle for gingers. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm really hyped. Anyway, if this is your first battle for gingers, don't you fear Cliff is here? And he's here to tell you the rules of battle for gingers. Even this is like the... 20th battle for Jinjos we've had. That's right, we've done about 40 games already. No joke, we're getting through these pretty quickly. Uh, 40 of these bloody games already. Um, how does a battle for Jinjos work? I hear you cry. Well, it is both of these games going against each other to win Jinjos. You could collect five Jinjos in Banjo Kazooie. You've got five Jinjos to collect here. One is for storyline, next one is for gameplay, one afterwards for sound and graphics. After that, it comes down to what IGN scored that game back when the game was released. Hint, both of these games were released about the same time as well. 
Who spoilers? I just hit my glasses against my uh, tripod. Sorry if you just heard that then. Anyway, um, and then the last one is what you guys thought. So I go to Twitter this time. Late again. Uh, you've had 24 hours to vote for this one. I still don't know la what the score is. Now, you basically you go and vote and you go and give your opinion on each game. Now, to not give this away, you know, sometimes I will build things in a wrestling promoter style um way uh that i will turn around and go oh i don't know what the outcome is and I, i'm fully aware what the outcome is i will be honest when i went on airplane mode before film uh, so recording this i posted up saying look this is your last chance to vote last chance i'm going live in five four three anyway and i it was 50 50 it was 14 votes Seven for Glover, seven for uh, for uh, Buck Bumble. So I I mean that we are, could be split, and I I have no idea what's who's getting that last vote. So before we go into what you guys thought, I'll give you a little bit more time. I, I can if past you might be scrambling around now trying to vote. Let's go in to storyline. So Buck. Bumble, an exclusive game for the N64, released in the United States or just the American region on November 20th, 1999, and just before the, literally, days before Christmas, with a lot of pomp and ceremony, we'll go into that in a minute, on December 18th, 1998, it was released in Europe and Japan, published by Ubisoft, and developed by a, co a company we have spoken about before on this podcast, Argonaut Games. Obviously, Argonaut Games, famous for creating that Super FX chip for the um, for the uh, Super Nintendo. Why did I haven't got any problems with the Super Nintendo? Maybe maybe we should start hamming this up again. But anyway, <laughs> but for the Super Nintendo, creating Star Fox. Um, it's it's a it's a company we will be visiting again very shortly. So, but obviously they we we spoken about them before because they did uh, they they came up with the inspiration for uh, we'll say that for Super Mario sixty four um, when pitching their idea of what Super Mario sixty four could be uh, to Nintendo, creating a Yoshi type character hopping around a free three D world. Um, and it, it, that later became Croc. But, you know, this is where they started branching out. Now, Buck Bumble, even though they, they, they very much went away from, you know, Croc never came out for a Nintendo console. Buck Bumble was a Nintendo exclusive game. Now, we'll go into the game possibilities or my theories of why that could be. Because the gameplay is hinting at a specific game. Let's put it like that. But it, it, it was very much built with, you know, and all the pomp and ceremony was built around this whole thing of the Rumble Pack and how you could uh, feel the impact of each force, which is really ironic because the Rumble Pack famously came with Star Fox 64 or Lilac Wars. So let's go into the story of Butt Bumble because, yet again, I love... I love a game with story, and both of these have a hell of a story, and it's going to be hard to choose between the two. But the plot is, in the year 2010... Oh, yeah, the distant... 
future of 2010, 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> as a result of a previous spill of chem uh, at a chemical factory in London, England, the insects in the surrounding area have mutated. Several different types of mutated insects gather together to become the evil herd who are bent on taking over the garden and eventually the whole world. The game casts the player as Buck Bumble, a volunteer bum uh, bumblebee who gets implanted with cyber technology. Hang on. So he's basic. So he gets transported to the... Does he get transported back in time? Hang on. He's a volunteer, so he must be... No, he's of that time. But he's basically Terminator, isn't he? He's basically Terminator. So you're going to say, oh, I suppose more Robocop. Is he more Robocop? Because Robocop, oh, here's the talk. So, but Robocop didn't voluntarily do anything. He he almost died, didn't he? So is he Terminator or is he Robocop? Because I suppose he's not Terminator because he wasn't a robot to begin with. Oh, I've opened up. a. Oh, this was meant to be controversial, but I've made it even more controversial. He's, he's, he's like the split between Robocop and Terminator. <laughs> in bug form anyway <laughs> he is a part of an organization known as the resistance original uh which is trying to stop the evil herd army buck's mission is uh missions send him on multiple tasks searching as uh, as defending the resistant base attacking herds supply lines whilst traveling through sewers and eventually fighting the herds uh Mantis-like queen. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a straightforward storyline. But there is so many bits to that. Because with the herd, it's a really good concept of, like, oh, well, they, they're evolving. And they say, well, we, well we, shall, we shall take over the garden and then the world. Not, not, not take over the garden. The next door's garden. Then possibly take over another garden you know a couple of roads down you know it's, it's gonna take them a while isn't it to take over the world and also when you say take over a garden ants do that to my garden every year so it's, it's, <laughs> is it really a big thing that they're taking over the garden i literally have to every year look like a nutter going outside with a kettle i know it's a bit cruel but a kettle to kill off the ants nests like i get so many red ants nests anyway I digress. Um, it, it, it could, see, this is the thing: is that even though it has got that sort of very much take over the world style to it, on the outside, it could very much like both of these could just be seen as a cutesy platformer. Um, and he, but it isn't. It's really investigating the capabilities of this N64. You know, it, it, it had a team of um, free coders. Three artists, uh, two designers, and Nick Clark, um, who was the producer um, for the game. Now, it, he had this really, really good interview that I found, like this question and answer of what they wanted to do with this game. Because there was, I mean, there was so much hype for this game. Like, everyone was really looking forward to it. And then it sort of had delays, had delays, and then was rushed out for this Christmas launch. So with that, you know, I've seen like, uh, obviously I go and have a look at multiple sources, but actually Glenn Plant said that he was looking forward to this game. And then when you saw that 
it was gonna be released in that December period. You was like, ah, uh, the warning signs. And this is really evident in what he says in this interview. Because on one part, somebody asked them, what kind of perspective does the player have while flying? So he's replied, we want to give the player as much choice as possible. So there are three different views in the game. First person view, third person view, first person view with an overlaid representation of Buck's remaining life shield and radar indicators and the weapon in use uh, and its ammo count. So that just shows you with that one thing, because I'm just flicking through now to see if there was anything else important here, because... It, 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 that shows to me, in that, and it's an IGN. This is an IGN interview from back in May 1998. That the, they had this perception of, well, we want to give people multiple views. You know, obviously, we were talk about GoldenEye. We've spoken about GoldenEye. That was such a big game, so you can see why they want to give that first-person view. But they were never able to. So the view, when we go into gameplay, it was all third-person. So that means that they obviously had this expectation of it being better than what it was. Um, so, yeah, I'm just literally flicking through this now just to see if there was any uh, other bits and pieces. There's some bits on the multiplayer mode. We'll go into that in gameplay. Uh, how many missions are there? 22 missions, which is roughly about the same size as what it is now. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's really important. You know, that, that's really, really important. That statement of that they wanted it to be first person. They wanted it to be this, wanted it to be that. But it was very much evident. And it's really nice that I've got people like Glenn Plant. I can view his videos because that made me ask the question of, but what were they going to add to it? What were they going to add to it? Where was this rushed? And that one statement of that they wanted to add the first person element to this game and never did. So, yeah, the storyline in itself is, as I said, it's pretty straightforward. Um, it, it's it's nice. It's different to an extent, but it isn't anything groundbreaking, is it? Really? Um, so let's go on to Glover. So Glover, a lot of people, so we're going to put this out there now, is that a lot of people I, I've spoken to about this game will always say that it's... It's an N64 exclusive game. And I'm like, no, no, no. It came out for the PlayStation and it came out for PC as well. Um, but it's always known as a very N64 game because it very much takes it, it takes inspiration from Mario 64. You can tell that in its gameplay, even if it's set in of the hub world. And we'll go into that a bit more in gameplay and how it looks. But it very much takes from that style of Mario 64. So, released in North America on November 4th, 1999, um, and then released in Europe on December 1998. So, coming out exactly same time. So, these two are competing against each other in that Christmas market. So, it's going to be really interesting to see how many units these both sold. And we come down to its publisher hasbro interactive so i'm not gonna go too deep history into it but starting in 1923 as hassenfeld brothers uh and then changing its name several times to now be thus known as hasbro now a lot of you will know this brand already as a toy manufacturer and they've got the likes of monopoly nerf uh my little pony 
uh, Peppa Pig and something called Transformers. <sighs> I'm not doing it. Look, Matty, Matty, I see you getting excited there. And uh, lots of you, that are, I know there's a lot of my listenership that collects Transformers, but you know my opinion of Transformers. I don't mind the original series. I like the original series. I like the original characters. But Hasbro, stop making everything into a f***ing Transformer. If I want a Toy Ecto-1, I'll just buy a Toy Ecto-1. Don't make it then into a Transformer as well. Why do you have to do this, Hasbro? Hasbro, why? Stop monetizing everything. Just stick with you. Stick Transformers in its realm and leave every other IP a f***ing load. I'm all right. I'm all right, probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, developed by Interactive Studios or by its last ever name as Blitz Game Studios. Uh, so... Blitz Game Studios, uh, where they were, they were, they just used to buy out pretty much every IP, you know, just used to put it out there. It's, it, lots of little sort of little bitty IPs. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Where are you going? Anakin's gone. He's bored of Hasbro. So look, Hasbro's done this to the stream. Anakin's just up and walked away. He's had enough of Hasbro. Hi. Anyway. <laughs> Interactive Studios. You know, so he's just very, very famous for buying little IPs. You know, little games here and there. Um, but this game was... Uh, so, Glover was originally announced at E3 in 1998. And very much taking its inspiration from Mario 64. So, let's go on to the actual storyline itself. Maybe maybe that will come, make Anakin come back. Maybe. Probably. Well, this is a bit of a longer one. So here we go. Strap yourselves in, guys. The story takes place in the fictional land known as Crystal, the Crystal Kingdom, where a wizard rules from his large castle known as the Crystal Castle. And then at the bottom, he has a maze, and it's known as the Crystal Maze. No, 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 I'm not being breached of any copyright anyway uh which is surrounded by six portals leading to other worlds including the lost city of atlantis that's handy uh, a circus park pirate's domain a prehistoric era and a horror themed fortress and outer space hang on a minute right 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 spot the one that doesn't make much sense here so Atlantis, you know, that mythical place. A pirate's domain. So somewhere very much trapped in time. A prehistoric era. So you get to see dinosaurs. A horror film's fortress where all the sort of ghosty ghoulies live. An outer sp space. Um, where, where space lives. And then a circus. Just because. <laughs> the life force of the kingdom is maintained by seven mystical crystals that rest atop the spires of the crystal castle. The wizard himself is occupied by a pair of magical sentient gloves named Glover and Glovel uh, and to aid him in creating strange portals and spells. 
then one day the crystal the, sorry the wizard not the crystal the wizard accidentally mixes the wrong batch of potions in his cauldron oh that's sounds like an episode of digitizer causing a large explosion that turns turn that turns wizards into a statue that turns the wizards come on wikipedia turns the wizard into the statue and sends his gloves flying the left glove glovel lands in the cauldron rather the right glove Oh, what's he used Glover for? Anyway, so the right glove, Glover, uh, flies out of the window and lands safely on the ground. The explosion also takes the crystals from the spires, causing the ha the land to become dark and foreboding. Uh, before they could sh uh, shatter upon impact, Glover quickly casts magic, magic, to turn the crystals into rubber balls. Uh, one of the balls remains in the kingdom while the others uh, the other six fall into each of the portals Glover realises that in order to bring the wizard back to life and to restore the kingdom to its beauty he must enter these worlds and find the crystals within them and bring them back to the castle however Glover had been corrupted by the cauldron's chemicals and becomes Scrostitch Ross. get it anyway not 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 uh safe's uh, version of cross stitching i say i say um a malevolent trickster who is determined to destroy glover and rule the castle forever <laughs> anyway that's the story so obviously you've got this castle you've got the surrounding areas yeah, you very much have to go off to each area to save the area. We'll go into this in gameplay, but you've very it's it's very sort of linear. It's very much taking you to go right. First of all, you go to this level. First of all, you go to that level. Go to this level. Go to this level. Make everyone happy again. Da da! You've won. Fantastic. Brilliant. So it's 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 both of these stories are have been done before both of these stories have been done before so in in the way of storyline there's nothing like fantastical amazing here so who wins for storyline um ugh. do you know what this is going to be the hardest not because of its uniqueness because we get that quite a bit in this podcast it's unique gameplay it's unique look on the n64 um I am going to give this Jinjo to Buck Bumble. Because I'm still deliberating if he is uh, Bumblebee uh, Robocop or Bumblebee Terminator. <laughs> and also Hasbro. Hasbro, you made me angry. <laughs> Stay away from my piece. Anyway, right for one nil to buck bubble let's go on to gameplay so here we go this is the jinjo for gameplay and both of these games take a really unique because like i said from the outside you could just see both of these cases and go that's just a cutesy n64 platformer both of these 
you could just literally go, well, that's just a rip-off of Banjo or Mario 64. This is just going to be a basic linear adventure. No, both of these are pretty unique in the way of gameplay. And I would actually argue that, especially the latter game that we go into, hasn't really used these game mechanics before and didn't afterwards, really. There's games that you've interacted with items. But anyway, let's go on to it. So, Bug Bumble is a free-roaming third-person adventure, flying shoot 'em up with 19 missions and a mixture of, as I said before, it, it looks cutesy, but it isn't in a way. Um, I think that the best way of describing this game of what it's most similar to would be Jet Force Gemini. So, it's got that similar third-person shooter feel of a Jet Force Gemini. Um, it, it sort of takes an influence from Banjo with its cutesiness um, and anything that Rare was doing in that aspect of really trying to create an IP, an individual IP. But at the same time, with the gameplay, it's... It has, now, they announced this is what they were doing to test out the capabilities of uh, the N64. This company, Argonaut, was very, very famous for Star Fox. Now, when you play this game in your buck and you're flying around and you maneuver and you you can do you can do uh, somersaults, you can do U-turns, you can you you are completely free flying as him in these worlds, and they're very much not a linear uh, journey with these worlds. And I think to myself, now this is my theory: was this meant to be their version of Star Fox 64? Now, there are certain elements with it that he can land and things like that. We will go into that in the gameplay in a second. And it is, as I said, the most similar, even though this is my theory, it is more similar to a Jet Force Gemini. Um, but it, it does make you think of, was this this Like, Croc was their idea for Mario 64. Was this their idea for S Star Fox 64? It does make you think. Because um, you've got loads of like, dog fights and you've got loads of weapons in there as well. Because um, obviously he's not a ship. He needs weapons. So you've got pistols, magnums, shotguns, uh, spreader grenades, uh, machine guns, homing uh, Tesla lasers, EBM, uh, EMP cannons, uh, stun guns, a laser blaster, a guided rocket launcher, homing missile launcher. Um, you know, to shoot down loads of sort of different types of enemies because you've got sort of all sorts in there i mean absolute ton like wasps mosquitoes mites ladybirds ladybugs weevils uh damsel flies horse flies ants uh scaled wool turrets uh turrets so yeah so some turrets in there uh giant water blimps uh king blimps uh noughts uh so gnats 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 <laughs> should really know how to spell to say that because that's what i call me wife uh, water beet uh, beetle, not because she's like a gnat, it's because her name's Natalia. Anyway, um, water beetles, uh, net winged uh, midges, uh, mines and mega moths, and then the queen right at the end as well. So you've got loads of different types. Now, now the, the game was sort of very much uh, touted that it was going to have this awesome AI to it. Now, I'll be really honest, it isn't. It's like, as soon as you switch on this game, as soon as you get past the first round, it's like, oh my God, everyone's just kamikaze in me. Like the wasps, like some, some, you know, some of these, 
these uh, these uh, baddies are armed. Some of them aren't, so they attack you like a traditional bug would. And like the wasps will literally go for you, and that they will they'll be quite annoying. Like they they do sort of fit into their character aspect. So you don't know. I don't know if it is it is it clever AI or is it just really simple of that's the bat that's that's who you need to take out go and take them out all at the same time and the thing is is that there's an f ton of uh, enemies as well um now the you, you're sort of controlling him around and it does feel like you're almost controlling like a spitfire around the screen but i tell you what i don't i, I tested out several controllers with this it's really glitchy in the way of sometimes it will respond to you really well sometimes Buck's not moving. <laughs> He's just flying forward. And you're like, no, please start turning, Buck. Um, and I thought maybe it was like the retro uh, controller. So the retro fighters controller. So I changed it over to the OG controller. No, same thing. Is that sometimes it would like, he's maneuvering like some sort of beautiful Spitfire flying through the sky. Other than that, he's like a Morris Minor flying, flying through the sky that he's not changing. He's not, he's not moving. Also, it's really frustrating. If you go anywhere near a piece of land, he just lands. So there's no button to land. There's no points where you can land. Uh, he just bloody lands. He was just, he, he's going down. He, that's it. He's, he's on the floor. And, which is nice in a way because sometimes you can just sort of sit there and snipe people off rather than have to worry about where you're flying to. But sometimes he would just do it when you don't need him to. Also, uh, I don't know. This is that rushed element. You know, uh, it was quite nice that I did find that article. A bit of uh, confirmation bias. But I think this is where it was rushed. And that was the targeting system. So you've got a normal uh, gun sight. So uh, crosshair that's sort of in front of you as you're flying around. And the thing with this is, is it's not the most accurate. Sometimes it auto locks. Sometimes it doesn't. And... I don't know. It's a bit cumbersome. It's just a bit like sometimes it's all right. Sometimes it, it, I don't know. It's not. It's not got the flow. As I said, this this game you can match it best to Jet Force Gemini. It doesn't have that fluidity of Jet Force Gemini. Um, but it's all that aside. It's bloody entertaining. Like, when you start playing it, it's really, really, really entertaining. And there's a sense of excitement. And the But I don't know, because the missions can be fairly repetitive as well. You know, you've got sort of elements where you're sort of just... Uh, it's, it's like you've got... Def I think you've got sort of three different types of missions in there. You've got... So destroy everything in that area. You've got escort this from A to B, or you've got defend this area. So you've got those sort of three different types. And once you've done one, it's just, it it, it can be, yeah, it's a bit like yeah, you've done it all. You know, it can be completed fairly quickly with only the 20 odd so levels. Um, So yeah, it is... It's not great. I, I think I did, I did like the sewer mission because sewer mission did mix it up a bit. It did mix it up a bit. That it's not just this open like, oh, here we go. You're in the garden. It, it did feel a bit different. But I don't know because I, I, I've just said there about it being very Jet Force Gemini, very uh, Banjo, very Star Fox. But do you know what it does remind me of in its layout? 
it because I can't I, I won't be able to say that this is repetitive because it's very rogue squadron it's very rogue squadron actually thinking of it is that you've only got the sort of now oh, just go even destroy this defend this or disable this or you know or escort this from A to B that's rogue squadron isn't it that's all for all of you that know battle for middle earth uh Naboo uh, so, Battle for Naboo, not Battle for Middle-Earth. That's a very good game, but we won't be covering that. Um, I just... I don't know. Because it's also got a multiplayer element to it where you've got the original deathmatch and we've got Buzzball. Um, obviously, with the multiplayer elements, I always bring the nipper into it. Um, we did actually have quite a bit of fun with the Buzzball, which is like football, um, uh, but you, you're sort of shooting into goals. That was quite cool. Uh, the deathmatch, there's just better deathmatches out there. It's nothing to come home and sing and dance about. There's better deathmatches out there. And worse games, to be honest. So, it's, it's different. But at the same time, it's not different. It's it's really weird. As I said, I expected... When coming into playing Butt Bubble about a year ago for the first time, I expected something completely different. But as I said, I've got this weird mix of being like, oh, it's Debbie Jet Force Gemini. And as I said at the end, it's very Rogue Squadron. But at the same time, my theory is, my theory is, this is what they wanted Star Fox to be. So let's go into the gameplay of Glover. So, Glover. It, this is really unique. Now, if you were to turn around to me and say, tell me something that it's like now or in the last sort of 20 years compared to this. Now, this is really odd because... I would say there's only sort of been a couple of games that it, it, we, we can't look at other platformers. We've got to look at games where it will give you a puzzle element of using items. And Portal would be one. Um, games like this where it tries to make you think a bit more about, okay, you have this, so you have to use this at this point. But it's not as overcomplicated as a Portal or anything because you're playing as Glover and you're controlling this ball around the six worlds containing three stages um, and a bonus stage, like one of them's quite Frogger-ish. Um, and you're obtaining uh, the, uh, in these levels, all the Garbis or the cards, um, which will be able to unlock those levels. As we said before, you've got the Atlantis, the Carnival, the Pirate, the Prehistoric, uh, the Fortress of Fear, and then you go to Outer uh, uh, out of this world level. Um, so you're sort of on this ball um, where you can roll, bounce, throw, slap, um, dribble. Uh, this sounds. This sounds like. This sounds like a top shelf of a, uh, a convenience store. Um, scoot on top of or uh, use uh, as a trampoline. Um, I, I, I think that you, you can. And also, you can fight with. You can sort of fight with out. Uh, the ball as well but then you could you could convert the ball into different types you've got the rubber ball you've got the ball bearing you've got the bowling ball or then you've just got the box standard crystal that it's meant to be so it, it's really interesting to uh, in a way it is quite interesting and original because you get you're trying to think of okay do i need this ball for this time this ball for this time now there are some frustrating bits with this like 
it is it's that element of being a puzzle game now you either like puzzle games or you don't like puzzle games and we come down to that thing with zelda zelda is even though it is considered ocarina of time by many to be the greatest game of all time it is not for everyone yeah zelda games are not for everyone Breath of the Wild is completely different. If you love Breath of the Wild, you're more likely for as Some people go, well, I love Breath of the Wild, but I don't like anything else because Breath of the Wild's not very, very uh, uh, Zelda-like. It's, it's, it's not, but it's obviously the shards, the shrines, you've got that puzzle element. But other than that, it's just an adventure, you know? So I think this is where this comes down to as well. It very much fits down that Zelda route that Super Mario's... It's, it's like a mixture of Zelda and Super Mario 64. That you've got those puzzles. You've got to unlock those areas before you enter the next area. But then it's got the cutesiness and the sort of... The, the gameplay of it. It's, it's so original. It is. Um, it's, it's also original how you get damage. Because you don't just have your damage. You also have the bull's damage as well. So the bull can start to get damaged. And the bull can pop. So you've got two different ways that you can die. But that, I think what makes it so interesting and so frustrating at the same time is those physics. And it's really good. I mean, like the physics in it, the physics engine is bloody fantastic. But this console back in 1998, it's, it's bloody brilliant. There's no other way of putting it. Um, and and it, it makes it stand out. It, it really does on this, on this platform. It really makes it stand out. And it has a really random humour to it as well, because we've spoken before about the obvious rare game. We've done that. We've done Conquer. And that rare humour. Rare had a humour. And we will go into Banjo eventually as well. Where Rare has this very, very like tongue in cheek. Obviously a bit more it's a bit more obvious with Conquer. But there, but especially with Banjo, there is this humour. This is the underlying level uh, thingy of everything. It's very British. This turns, like, I don't want to say it's very European, but it is very European. Like, you've got you've got a random farting chicken on a swing, like, with a crown on, on a swing. It's Chuck the Cheating Chicken. And basically, it's where you put in your cheat codes. And it's, it's done on the basis of the C buttons, quite like the Ocarina in Ocarina of Time. And it's done on a Bart Furp. Uh, sorry, a, a Bart Furp? What's a Furp? A Furp is a Bart and a Furp. A burp and a Fart at the same time. A Burp, a Fart, a Hiccup, or a Squark. And it, it, it's so... <laughs> it's so very European. You know, like Rayman. Rayman, you can tell, is a very European game. Yep. It, it's got that feel to it. It's... But it's lovely. You know, we've done Rayman 2 Great Escape. It is a great game. But at the same time, it has that underlying thing of being very... European, like, like the, the baddies that you come up against. You Like juggling chickens where you can sort of just... You can just end up on the ball itself. You've got flying elephants that just randomly explode. You've got sort of like... It's, it's just... It's just the whole game just feels very much like... I don't know, it's like some of the <laughs> bloody the, the bits and pieces that I've seen in Spain from spending a lot of time in Spain. It's that sort of humour. <laughs> I love my Spanish friends a lot, but at the same time, they do have a very different humour to me uh, at times. And it is very much that, because you, you've got those... It, but 
It's weird because these dinosaurs were handbags and it's just really odd. It's just a really odd, unique little experience. Um, and the great thing is, is it, it, it does have that puzzle element where it does, as I said, the gameplay itself, take it back to the gameplay, is that it is such a unique experience, but equally frustrating. Like, the going back, why the hell has this game decided that when you're on the ball, on top of the ball, you have to travel backwards and reverses the controls? There's some moments in it where it's like, I, I'm going to throw you out the window. Um, but at the same time, you keep coming back. The bosses, you know, we'll finish up the gameplay with the bosses. So I think the the levels are all quite unique. You've got the sort of watery levels with the Atlantis and the, the physics yet again are floating. Uh, you've got ice levels in there. You've got like the the generic 90s have to have a random horror stage in it got the dinosaur the prehistoric level uh which has the ice level in it um yeah, so there's there's loads of um unique bits like that in this game but the bosses are the major gripe that i have with this game like the bosses oh dear hit the, <laughs> hit the tripod again uh the, the, yeah the bosses are what i had a problem with um they're fairly sort of generic you've got the sort of frankenstein one which is really rock hard but he keeps popping your ball like easily you've got the sort of evil clown you've got the group of monkeys and the pirate level you've got robots but you've got dino bowl i did enjoy the dino bowling actually um but i think the bosses are just a bit like they're just there the bosses are just there for no apparent reason then it just needed a boss. Quite similar to Earthworm, the problem that I had with the bosses in Earthworm Gym. Very similar. So gameplay. It's a hard one. It's a hard nap. Like, anyway, it, it's a real hard one because I've got gripes with both of these gameplays. Like, they're not perfect. Neither of these games are perfect. But at the same time, both of these games were trying to break ground. And I've got I've got a lot of time for that. I've got a lot of time for it. Uh, which one did I prefer playing, though? That's where it comes down to. It's which one I actually preferred playing. And I preferred playing. This might upset some people. And this just shows you that I could have easily made this a draw now. And I haven't. I prefer playing Butt Bumble. <laughs> I, I like that sort of game. I do. As I said, it is a bit repetitive, but then if I say that, I've got to say that about a like, uh, Rogue Squadron. And yeah, obviously, I'm never going to say about Rogue Squadron. I might play Rogue Leader later. Mm. Might do. Anyway, um, yeah, Buck Bumble. 2 0. It's 2 0. Wow. Just showed you I don't do this purposely. But let's go on to graphics and sounds because. There's some amazing things we need to talk about in this area. But by Jinjo, both of these games have a lot to answer for. So you thought we were done with its uniqueness. You thought, you thought that it's all going to be about gameplay. This is going to be a gameplay heavy one. I'm not going to put it frankly it was going to be always very front of the podcast heavy we, we've had it before where we get 
podcast that they be the rear ends with the sound music and what the what you guys thought and all that are always the heavier ending and sometimes we get it's all about story road is story so storyline is all about gameplay so sound and graphics let's start with buck bumble now buck bumble i will give it to it if you're actually looking at the element of how it looks it's got lots of depth in there it's got lots of detail and there's some real nice levels to the characters to make it look really 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 nice um it's a very minimalistic color palette but i wouldn't i wouldn't want it a banjo color palette or even a glover color palette glover we will talk about glover in a minute um i wouldn't want it that color palette it's quite nice the way it is however however um we need to talk about fogging we really need to talk about fogging because this game is a really big vast game and it does things very very cleverly let's talk about what it does cleverly it does it's made it so each area is like divided by portals or sectioned off through going through you know if that's teleporting portals if that's going through a wall for a little hole in the wall you can giggly um i mean it's it's divided off really really well to 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 create that illusion of that it's it's you know that it's a bigger landscape than what it is it does that really really clever i can't take that away from it you know but the fogging now the fogging in this is only (laughs) comparable to two games one of them we've never discussed before we've discussed the sequel but we've never discussed the first game and that's the original turok dinosaur hunter that had terrible fogging <laughs> like to the point of i've said this a lot of times is that i'm so n64 centric soon as there's a foggy day everyone will go oh it's a bit silent hill outside and i'll go no it's turok this is turok dinosaur's gonna jump it out of me and it does it has very much that element and it's it's of this era it's in we're still in the early we're just we're not quite there it's like well i think no we're in that mid part because you've got banjos coming out you've got the banjos coming out but you've also got you know games that tried something different as well so the fogging is ridiculous like i mean like you can be in an area and have no element uh, no sort of uh, peripheral vision of like uh, you have no idea where the edge of the map is like you 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 have a genuine idea with most games of okay well i i sort of know that this is in this area but this is now it's trying to do something really 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 clever yeah it's trying to make these beautiful open worlds with the graphics and the detail in there but it just can't render the image quickly enough so they've had to create this fogging which they've sort of tried to explain in story mode of it being london things like that yeah yeah okay okay we sort of you could sort of use that but it's a real problem like you could go into areas and just get bombarded by a load of baddies like literally from out of nowhere you're like jesus christ (laughs) they can come out of absolute nowhere so yeah if if i'm talking about graphics you gotta talk about that fogging it's not too bad on the sewer level and actually yeah again it sort of makes sense for a sewer level to have fogging like actually we talk about 
games of the same era, Space Station Silicon Valley, yeah? Space Station Silicon Valley had areas where they were very sewery, and they actually added fog for those areas. But actually, in the open worlds, they you could see right off into the distance. You know, they, they did do a faded draw in, but it, it, it was pretty good, like, for these... Very select area, very similar to Bat Bumble. You know, you've got these select areas that you can freely roam, but they definitely did not do. <laughs> like DMA made a better job of that than than bloody uh, Argonaut. I yeah, the fogging. Anyway, the music, however, the music. Now we I put on the theme again because this is of its era like it could have easily just stuck to oh well we're gonna try and be rare no uk garage at this point in time in 1998 was huge and this is a fucking stonker of a feature listen to it I can not even listen to it, but I can, I can sort of do it. I'm not, not very good. But I mean, it gets stuck in your head. Like, it's so good. Uh, so it was created by uh, Justin. Here we go. Shavona. 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 We're going for Shavona. Uh, and it was based off of, uh, obviously, UK Garage, inspired by the Beatles. So you've got this sort of theme running all the way through it. And... It suits this game like like if you the soundtrack of this game after a year of playing it, it, it it's very like resonant it, it's that's what this game sounds like you know that it's it stands out i mean like it really stands out of this is buck bumble and i i like it <laughs> Fogging for fuck the fogging. We're gonna talk more about fogging because we now come on to Glover. <laughs> Shall we just get out of the way and done with? Oh my god, the fogging in this. Now it's it's <laughs> So you literally start the like the hub world where you are around the Crystal Castle. It's that like next to the Crystal Maze. Stop it! Um it, I mean it it's it, it's um it's really it, <laughs> It's, it's trying to explain it again in story mode because as you go through and you unlock this area so as you save each of these six worlds you, you start to sort of rejuvenate the area yeah so it starts to not look all red and sinister and dark it starts to go all green and very sort of mario 64 yeah so at that point you're like okay the fogging i sort of get the fogging but every level, like, oh, my God. Oh, the fogging. Why do you do this in games? Why? Well, you know, you know why, because it took a lot to render. But anyway, um, I, I think, uh, we, yeah, so it, it's, it, I really do. Do you know what, though? I'll give it to it. I really like that concept of that you're, you're starting to fix the world i like it in uh you get a bit in ocarina of time you had it in majora's mask so i'm really sad with majora's mask that i used to like completing it that i i would go back and complete all the bosses so all of the different sections of termina were were saved when i when i went up and i went into the moon giggity i i i had saved everywhere so i do all the bosses and then come to battle um, the Majora's Mask. So, 
And I used to like doing it that way because it made me feel like, well, I've saved everywhere, haven't I? I've saved them all. Because if not, it doesn't make that end scene make any sense. And I like that about Glover as well. That you, When you are completing Glover, you're going through and you're sort of... Yeah, you're fixing and you're solving the areas. Now, I think that how each individual area looks, the color palette is very in your face and the detail is very basic. Um, it's very, very basic detail um, on, on pretty much all of the sort of textures and things like that. It's a very childlike color palette because I suppose the story is very childlike, um, especially in the carnival world. Uh, the carnival world... There is on uh, there is uh, something called uh, Mario Kart Amped Up, which is a modded version of Mario Kart 64 that we occasionally play on stream. Now there is the Carnival World in this game is part of that, and obviously over the last six months of me playing Glover, um, as soon as you you see that world, you're like, of course this is Glover. You know this is Glover. It has that feel to it. It's very basic, like the the clowns, the the baddies they all look very basic drawn and this isn't a bad thing because we have this with space station silicon valley in my opinion one of my favorite games of all time one of my top 10 games of all time that's very basically drawn but it's got a level of detail where it is missing it, and it's too bright well you could argue that Buck Bumble isn't bright enough. This is too bright. This is too in your face. Um, and it, 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 but it, there is much suits the IP. If you saw Glover, you know that's Glover. Um, so, well, the music itself as well. We'll go into the music because the music is very much of that. Well, we are creating a platformer. Here's Mario 64. This is the sort of thing we want. And it was created by Rub Lord. Uh, Paul Weir and Mark Bandola. Mark Bandola, we discussed back in Wipeout of 64. He wrote music for Wipeout 64, but he also wrote music for Glover. Ah, Why <laughs> you wouldn't put the two together, would you? <laughs> right, here we go. Which one do I prefer? <laughs> Now, there's only ever been one 5-0 winner on this console. So, will it be that we have another 5-0 win winner? Because I am giving music especially how it looks as well. Because, yeah, it hasn't got a bright color palette. But I do like the detail on the animals. And I quite like it. Uh, there's an element that I, I, I find it very endearing. And I do like it as a game. I'm giving it to Butt Bumble. That's free nil, Buck Bumble, which doesn't take a lot of you to know that we know who's already won this. <laughs> but let's see if Glover, they can, let's see if we can save some save some grace, shall we? Should we see if Glover can bring back any points? Some of you are switching off now, going, "Had enough of you, Cliff. I'm going. I'm going. No, stick around. Stick around." Glover might bring it back. You never know. Let's go find out what you guys thought. Because I have no idea what you guys thought. Find out in a minute. And what the critics thought. So. 
that's you know that's the section of the podcast that is very much my perception and guess what it's my podcast screw yourself um (laughs) but obviously we've got this element of the podcast which is nothing to do with me this is nothing to do with me i have no input to both of these votes these votes happened almost 25 years ago with the uh what ign thought 25 bloody years ago i had no idea well i I can check up on it but you know i don't know where this is going i know so let's go on to what the critics thought we'll start off with how many units both of these games sold remember they both came out the same christmas buck bumble now buck bumble had some major bloody hype to it I mean, like, magazines scoring it 9.2 out of 10, 9 out of 10. Like, the, the, they were scoring it high. I don't know if those dev kits had a better version on there. Hopefully, if they did, one day they'll appear. Um, but I don't know if it had better versions on there. But, I mean, they were scoring it high, Buck Bumble. So, for that Christmas, or in its lifespan, it only sold 160,000 units compared to glover now as i said one of the games that i used to always get asked for and i still do on a monthly basis is when's glover coming when's glover coming you're gonna complete glover on the stream are you gonna complete do glover in a battle for jinjos well you've got it now so leave me alone um it sold nine hundred and ten thousand copies almost a million copies that's humongous like it had such a small team to this like like this is huge for a small like developer it's really so well almost a million copies which might explain why it was due to have a sequel i've got on my everdrive sat in front of me it's literally sat in front of me because i had a little play before i started streaming I, it has i've got glover 2 on there it had a sequel um and unfortunately it was pulled because of uh cutbacks it literally cutbacks but everything that i moaned about in that detail in glover that they it's like it stands out it's so much more polished now but i had a look at what would have been launched in 2000 with glover 2 and if we're talking about detail now the, the i mean the the what i've seen of it because obviously you can only play a small part of it we have no music to this. you would have had donkey kong 64 come out and we will save donkey kong 64 for another time but all argument aside with donkey kong 64 even though it is the biggest collector fond there's ever king b um <laughs> badger tui maybe um but no it, i mean it's the biggest boring collectathon there's ever been the detail in it it looked beautiful it looked beautiful it sounded beautiful that, that can never be taken away from donkey kong 64 is it a game i still play yes so it, it's not that it's terrible it's just that it's not banjo <laughs> fundamentally that's what this is um, but it, it it would have been, you know, it would have been second to that sort of game, I think. So if you're looking at about that time as well, there was plenty of other really... High, it's towards the end, the N64's lifespan. And 
this is where the really high level detailed games were coming out for this console um so yeah i i i think it wouldn't have obviously there would have been comparisons between the two coming out roughly about the same time but at the same time it's a really pretty game really pretty game and i think every problem that i had of how it looked would have been sorted with glover 2 you can go out there and actually have a look at this if you've got a uh, project 64 if you've got a flash card you can go and play what's been released of glover 2 one of the great things about being an n64 collector is is that people keep finding these dev kits and then releasing the roms online as well as translations, whoever's making custom Robo 2, can you hurry up? <laughs> I could just go and buy a Japanese version of it and follow it through an online thing that's going to translate it for me. But that's not the point. I really love custom Robo. Anyway, let's go on to what the IGN thought of both of these games. So let's start with Buck Bumble. Buck Bumble is a fun Nintendo 64 title that lacks the technical flair of today's current crop. The game controls uh, controls tightly. It's smooth running most of the time. And there are quite a few missions to keep gamers busy for a short while. That said, this isn't a very difficult game. And though Argonaut has tried to hide the fact with easy deaths and single lives, it can be beaten relatively quickly. However, the game's two-player mode, named Buzzball, is very addictive and will likely make a good party experience. I agree. Uh, but it's pretty, pretty. <laughs> it isn't pretty. Fog, fog, fog. Combined with low-resolution textures, low-poly uh, 3D models, and the like, just can't compare with the competition. Especially playing banjo kazooie b level it's always gonna have that isn't it that's that's not i haven't really brought that up but the games came out the same time you gotta remember banjo came out the same time as these two games it would have been cruel to make this a freeway <laughs> and put banjo in between all this because that's what everyone's going to look at. They're going to look at Banjo-Kazooie, which, in my view, is the best platformer of all time, Banjo-Kazooie. But, it, yeah, people are going to... They're going to compare. In spite of his technological shortcomings, though, I still recommend gamers to give Buck a try. Rent it if you... Because that's, that's how we always fall on this. Rent it. Just I love how many of these end with just rent it. Uh, if you can forgive the game's subpar graphics and short quests, you might like it. So, it scored a lookable... Because I would say anything that scored at that time. Because we, we weren't quite in the basis of that if something didn't score in the 90s, you wouldn't look at it like we do nowadays. Um, it was still in the 70s, so 77.2%. Let's start that again. 7.2 out of 10, so 7.2 it scored. What happened to my brain then? Words are easy. Um, which is still lookable. You know, I would, if that was in the official Nintendo magazine, I would still go and play that game. We've spoken about... Well, I haven't. Ash and Luke have spoken about this on UCP before. 
that you know it, there was a there's a score that you go in your head i would still go and look at that and that at that time anything above 70 is worth a look at anything above 80 is worth a buy so i would have gone to look at it and it's a shame that i didn't because adult cliff actually enjoys it i think that i think uh that cliff at that age would have loved it because i loved space station silicon valley so i think i would have really enjoyed that one so we come on to glover glover won't blow anyone away in its graphical graphic department however because of the game's intuitive gameplay mechanics and off the wall character designs i think platform fans will have a lot of fun with this one admittedly glover does come with a learning curve and later le- and later levels can lead to madness but until you've rolled a ball around a level with a walking hand well <laughs> I, I miss I almost miss said walk in then. Well, you've just missing out on the best things in life. Glover has the potential to fall flat on its face or be this year's sleeper hit. Give it a rent. Rent it! <laughs> every game every time. Uh you might just like it. For God's sake, IGN. Just uh just rent it. They don't want to predict like don't pay sixty quid for it. That's the problem, is that I get it, I get it, I get it. Would you go and fork out 60 quid in the dark? I did. <laughs> As you know, I used to wait until they were like bargain bin. That's how I ended up with like hybrid heaven and things like that. Was wait for them to sort of get reduced down to the sort of 20 pounds. That's my pocket money, you know. And Glover just never appeared in my uh, peripheral vision at the time. But did it score more than 7.2? Glover from IGN came in at 8. Point three. So that means Glover got a Jinjo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can't win it, but yeah. <laughs> right, I'm literally just about to take my phone out of airplane mode, and let's see what you thought. Let's let's add some let's let's add some uh, calculation noises. Well, <laughs> we're going on to a first, but let's go on to actually what you guys have had to say about this game. We start off with Adam A. Ducky 84. The music alone, my vote has to go to Buck Bumble. And I agree. You know what? I agree completely. Is that that, that music is just bloody fantastic, isn't it? Um, So, literally... Break the fourth wall. Literally, I came out of airplane mode and was bombarded with a load of things from work. It's not anything big, but Connor, you're welcome. I put you as an owner. Anyway, <laughs> it means nothing. 
nothing to no one. <laughs> anyway, that's my fault. Is that, I, but I did do something for work and I've just had to do it. It took two seconds. <laughs> it's to completely throw me. Anyway, let's see what everybody else thought. Uh, G Don247, how are you? 24 7. Uh, I never played either, but I voted for the one which I most want to play. Come on, the bees! I mean, it's, it's very much fitting with uh, what Super Sexy Dave Fisher said, and a lot of people said on Discord as well. I can't vote here because not only have I never played a Viva game, but I've never heard of Viva game. Um, I'm a big retro gamer. I'm a big, bad retro gamer. Um, <laughs> bad. Um, if I were to vote here, I would be uh, I would be for Buck Bumble because it sounds funnier and reminds me of Uncle Buck and he's got a picture of Uncle Buck punching the clown, which is more fitting to Glover, actually, uh, with the crazy clown running around. But anyway, um, I think that's what a lot of people is that I, I, I said to him that actually Glover's the more known. If, if I was to put my money on any of you knowing each of the any of these games it would be clever and i i mean it go and check out both go and check out both because they both deserve they both deserve a watch uh or a uh a a play um definitely and we will do on the vote uh, it, it will come up on a stream vote at some time so if you really want to see what i'm waffling about then come on a stream come on to n64 life podcast on the old twitch um so the score <laughs> You've bloody drawn it That's a first So yeah it's 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 a it's a Jinjo for Glover and it's a Jinjo for Buck Bumble which technically means that the score because they both get a Jinjo for it if it's a draw that means that the score four to two which is random because we've never had six Jinjos. The winner of this week's battle for Jinjos is Buck Bumble. <laughs> Do you know what? Rightfully so as well. It, it, I didn't... Uh, it's weird because I've been playing Buck Bumble, as I said, for about on-off for a year. I've been playing Glover for about six months um, and playing Glover 2 as well uh, on the dev kit. And it's one of those things is that I've always said that you can't review a game until you really know it. I don't think necessarily it has to be you have to complete it because no one's ever going to review bloody Breath of the Wild or Skyrim or, you know, because you're never going to complete a game like that in that time. But you need to know the essence of the game and you need to at least put... At least, I would say about sort of twelve hours into each game. I would say um, it's only right that you put that level of detail in. And that's what annoys me sometimes. With you know, um, I don't mean to put people down, but writers, when you're turning around and you're reviewing something in some form of list, and you've never played the game, you can't say anything about that game. You could search like I, I do. At the end of the day, I've got to find detail. I've got to find background. I search through the interwebs for things. I then have to search if that is actually correct. And I have to, you know, I have to use other sources. As I said, Demi, Demi Vocal, Glenn Plant is a massive source of mine. Um, or It's not so much a source, but it's very much, if I don't hear Glenn say it, sometimes I'm a bit like, oh, I don't want to use it. 
because Glenn would have brought that up. I'm not being, I've not done a deeper dive than what Glenn Plant would have done. So I will use him as a confirmation. Um, so, but you've got to be so careful when reviewing a game, guys. Uh, if you're doing it anywhere, just make sure you're putting the time into this. And I thought I wouldn't enjoy Butt Bumble. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's not, it's not perfect. It's frustrating at times, but it is, it's a fun play. It is a really fun play. Right, the next two games. Should we? Well, we've got some big news happening now. Got some big, big news. I don't know which one to break first. The next battle for Jinjos will decide a big question. Now, there was a bit of a game which some of you might have heard of. Now, it's, it not it doesn't get mentioned at all ever. Called Goldeneye. Now, we've already discussed Goldeneye. I got it out of the way and done with pretty quick and early because I didn't want that to be constantly asked, where's Goldeneye, where's Goldeneye, where's Goldeneye? So I, I did it, and we have not discussed multiplayer yet. I have banked multiplayer, but we're not visiting it that yet. We're not visiting it. Now, after Goldeneye, uh, obviously Rare had the rights to James Bond as a franchise. Then the rights went to EA. So Rare had to make a decision of what their next game would be and created this game. Perfect Dark. <laughs> I told you it was a big one. But, technically, the James Bond sequel was not... So the sequel to Goldeneye was not Perfect Dark. It was this game. The world is not enough. Now, we are going to decide that question. What was the better out of the two sequels to Goldeneye? Was it Gold was it Perfect Dark or was it The World Is Not Enough? Twine, as we like to call it. Twine. It it's a big question. And only a battle for Jinjos will decide this. It's gonna be a big episode. It's gonna be this is a, this is a long episode actually. Um, it's gonna be over an hour and a half. It's gonna be a massive deep dive into both of these games and what happened after Goldeneye. It's it's a big one. You know, it's it's not just looking into those games what happened after goldeneye what happened to rare what 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 we know what happened to rare but you know what, what how did they come to decide on perfect dark what was perfect dark gonna be like some of you might not know that why has it got the name perfect dark um so it's gonna be really interesting i'm really looking forward to doing that but it's time to announce our next mini history now, I need to confirm with the guest 
They're 100% going to be on it. But our next mini history is just around the corner. So after that massive battle for Jinjos, we will be celebrating the 25th anniversary of one of my favorite games of all time and a franchise that peaked way too soon. Welcome to a mini history of Star Fox 64. It's gonna be huge. You guys know, lots of you know, if you're not already following, go and follow the Twitch channel N64 Life Podcast because you will know my party trick. I can complete every single level of Star Fox 64 without losing life. That is my party trick. That is my Games Master golden joystick challenge if I ever had one. <laughs> that would be it. I mean, it's it's a game that I love. Like, depending on what day of the year it is. So depending when you ask me, it's, it, it's very much, where's Cliff's brain at? Always, my top three favorite games of all time are all N64 games. First one will always be Ocarina of Time. Uh, and then second and third changes. Second and third, it's between Banjo-Kazooie and Star Fox 64 slash Lilac Wars. I mean, I-, I love this game and I can't wait to do this big deep dive. And I'm really hoping that the guest that we originally arranged and discussed about is able to come on. Not just because they want to come on, but because they're... <laughs> Because of technical difficulties that they might currently have. Love you, mate. Um, so I'm really hoping that they can come on. I really can. Uh, but I'm really pumped for this. And this will be, hopefully, as I said, hopefully this will be a two-episode spectacular. Not just us, uh, me and our guests talking, but like Martin, where we have the 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 inserts into our conversation into the mini history as well as the full episode of that guest being on in a player to enters the pod but let's just keep our fingers crossed everyone i will keep you all posted uh, i'm sure i'll make the announcement on the discord channel on the twitter and that very much nice leads me to if you want to come and follow us on the insta sorry on the twitter on the instagram n64 life podcast if as i said you want to come and join the community watching me play these n64 games on a friday on a sunday 8 30 to 11 gmt then come and follow n64 life podcast over there if you want to come and join our lovely community on the discord and chat to us all about random things such as uh what we're finding in charity shops actually that might have been uh that might have been ucp's discord oh no ah it's all meddling into one but anyway we've got a lovely community over there come and um yeah, come and give us a follow over there. Oh, we're talking about F1. We were talking about F1. If you're a big F1 fan, got big F1 community in there as well. So come and give the Discord a follow. And if you want to drop me an email, then please do n64lifepodcast at gmail.com. Boom.com. Oh, that's it. Another one done. I'm so excited for what's around the corner, guys. And I shall catch you all very 
very soon. Twisted little cyborg soldier in a rumble to the death with the evil insect empire. Yeah! So don't bug me! Buck Bumble for N64. The one and only killer bee, Ubisoft. There's only one hero who possesses the strength, the skill, and the courage to save the world single handedly. Glover! Strength? Glover's got the magic and the moves to match big bad bosses. Skill? Glover's got the brains to solve mind-boggling puzzles. And talk about courage? Glover's got the to handle any challenge. Glover! For Nintendo 64 and PC CD-ROM, gotta love the glove.